0: What was Kismet by, you know me, Samantha Billman? I catch Alex looking in my direction from across the room, and we snicker because he's been caught. Professor Fry whirls around from where she was standing and stares me down and continues riding on the chalkboard. Alex gives me a look, signifying he's do something utterly stupid. The silence around us becomes haunting. It feels like people are staring. Oh, wait, they are. Even at this moment when we're just making jokes, this, they stare, and anticipation is biting at my feet. He continues on this mischievous path as he waltzes up to the chalkboard where Professor Fry is standing, Sharpie in hand, quickly so she can't stop him. He scribbles a doodle of a witch standing at the edge of a chalkboard. The witch seems to be writing something on another smaller chalkboard. I narrowed my eyes when I finally was able to read what the witch had scribbled on her tiny chalkboard. It was the very problem Professor Fry had been writing. I gasped half of which was me trying to hold back the laughter. However, for I was not laughing. She handed Alex a pink slip that seemed to come out of thin air. He didn't seem to care. He was ready for more trouble. He slid his books down to where I was sitting and plopped himself in the empty seat right next to me. I had a feeling I was going to be joining Alex for detention. For I was not one to cross. But I also happened to be in the mood for trouble. To my unsurprise, I was also handed a magical pink slip. Later that night, I woke up to a loud booming that seemed to be coming from next door. I decided to look over at my alarm clock to see if it was time for school. It read 3.30 a.m. What in the world is going on, I thought to myself. I got out of bed and ran over to the window to see bright lights flashing in the house next to mine and cars parked up and down the street. Not again, I whispered. I put on my fuzzy pink slippers my older brother Brandon had gotten me for Christmas last year and began to head out of my bedroom door. I had to be quiet so my mom wouldn't hear me, but she was probably also awake wondering why the music was so loud. I grabbed my house key from the rusted tin bucket we kept keys and such in. As I unlocked the door, I could hear a loud thump upstairs. It seemed as though it had come from my room. I sprinted up the soft carpet hoping I wouldn't slip. When I got to the top of the staircase, I could see a tall shadow standing in my room. I crept slowly to the door, inch by inch. A man walked out. He was wearing a lime green hoodie and basketball shorts. Alex, you scared me to death. What are you doing here? He had only ever snuck through the windows in times of need. My mom and Brandon were cool with Alex being up here no matter how late. But this was weird. Even though they were cool with it, Dad never was. He didn't like Alex much. (laughs) Hence, he wasn't invited. He was invited to the funeral. I saw the lights and heard the neighbors as well, and I knew you were going to be Nancy Drew. He was right. Fine, you can come too. We headed downstairs and left for the front door. As we were just about to knock, a man in a muscle shirt and torn up jeans opened the door. With one look at us, he frowned. Alex was staring at how hairy his chest was and how enormous his feet were. What's the matter with you, boy? Why are you children up this late? I replied, We're sorry to bother you, Mr. Simon, but we're going to ask the same thing. He was not in the mood, that's for sure. What's wrong with me? I'm having friends over. If I were you, I'd scurry on home, especially you, Alexander. We scurried down the porch and made a beeline for my house. As soon as we had gotten into my summertime-themed bedroom, we started to laugh hysterically. Alex went into my closet and pulled out a beanbag-like mattress, a blanket, and two pillows. He laid the mattress on the floor and then the blanket, followed by the two pillows. I switched off the light, and we bolted to our beds. You know, just in case the boogeyman's real. After our childish games, we both fell fast asleep in our beds, laughing ourselves to sleep, I should say. Alex is tall, six foot tall, and built strong. He had come to Manhattan from Ronda, Spain, when he was only seven. He spoke fluent Spanish, but didn't know any English. So when he approached me and said, Hello, my name is Alex, and I'm happy to be here, I clapped and shared for my best friend. That's right. Even when we couldn't understand each other, we were still great friends. His eyes were blue poles, and his skin was a medium brown. To most, he was a handsome lad. But to me, he was a shrimpy child. But that's only because I'm a whole day older. On the complete other end of the spectrum, I am short and built frail. However... I do travel quite a bit. I was born in Gahanna, Ohio, where I chucked bread at my first duck. <laughs> then Indianapolis, where I choked on my first cookie. And lastly, here in Manhattan, where I grew up with the best people ever. I happen to be five foot four, making Alex and I's conversation look weird. Imagine a giant looking down on a worm and a, the worm looking up at the giant. That's what it feels like. As I mentioned earlier, he speaks fluent Spanish, while I am going to study abroad, for I'm fluent in French. We may be complete opposites, but that may just be why we're friends. In the end, opposites attract. Later that morning, after Alex Alex and I had had our beatings for us being so disrespectful, we headed out of our next-door houses for school. Walking up and down the old abandoned highways... Alex was silent. When we finally got to a road that seemed like it hadn't been used in decades, he stopped in his tracks. I turned around and asked, What do you think you're doing? He looked at me like a a wolf about to devour a bunny rabbit. I heard a rumor, and it's bugging me. This wasn't good. This was bad. Alex was always charming and happy. Girls would swoon over him. What could it be that's got you thinking? He smirked just a bit. In a mocking tone, he replied, Do you like, I don't know, do you like me? Like, more than friends like me? Letting out a roar of laughter, I think he got the message. Just to be sure, I said, of course not, and gave him a little shove onto the curb of the road. Bad choice. At that exact moment, a car came hurtling down the road at a lightning fast speed. Alex wasn't quick enough. And with a thud, he fell onto the pavement. The car stopped quick enough not to do any further damage, to the car that is. I let out a breath that for I for sure thought would be my final. Did I just, I couldn't even think about what I had just done. My legs were frozen in place, my eyes glued on the lifeless body sitting in the road in front of me. I suddenly got a burst of energy, fear, and anger all at once, which was frightening. I crept over to Alex and set my hand on his chest, hoping for a heartbeat. And then it came. I finally let go of the breath I didn't know I was holding in. I could hear a soft beat in his chest, which made me feel 6,000 times better. I don't think I could lose Alex, ever. The boy driving the car finally came out, and in a crooked way, frowned like he was the one who needed help or was hurt. I still couldn't breathe. Hot, silent tears streamed down my cheeks as I looked up at the culprit. He gulped. Um, hello? I'm Cadence. I'm really sorry. Is he dead? Caden seemed as if he had much, as much intelligence as a goose. His eyes were nearly closed, but not because he was about to cry. A strong smell leaked from every crevice of his car. He was in more trouble than I imagined. In a sense of desperateness, I exclaimed, No, but he will be if you don't call the police. Moments later, an ambulance was soaring through the streets with Alex in it. The whole ride to the hospital was co- it was complete sheer terror. <laughs> What if he didn't wake up? What if he was really gone? What if flooded my head, making me unable to hear anything paramedics were saying? I just picked up my phone and called Alex's mom. His His eyes started to flutter as he woke up and looked around the room. Alex, are you okay? I questioned. He looked at me like I was the elephant in the room and responded, Who are you exactly? Stunned, I couldn't even manage to respond. I only cried. His parents went ahead and explained everything to Alex, while I sat sobbing silently in the corner. Shelby? I picked up my head to see Mr. and Mrs. Miller waving at me from the hospital door. I picked myself up and began to head over. They began to explain everything the doctor said, until Mrs. Miller finally muttered, "'We think you should help him jog his memory.' What I don't get is why they wanted me to help Alex during things that not even I could remember. My whole world began spinning, and all of a sudden, it went dark. I woke up seconds later on the floor with Alex's parents and a nearby doctor huddling around me. I I didn't know that I could be so vulnerable and just pass out. I was angry at myself for fainting. I felt bad. I wasn't the one really suffering. I was just striving for attention, probably. The doctor quickly did a concussion check on the spot and told me to scurry along because I was fine. This was good news. I needed all eyes on Alex, not me. When I headed back into what seemed to be a monster's cave in my mind, I glared deeply into the blacks of his eyes. They seemed lost and sad, causing my heart to break into hundredths. He looked as though he had just been told the worst news ever, which he probably had, and I needed to fix that. I had never realized how much Alex mattered to me until this very moment. I glanced down at my hands where my fingers were having a war, much like my own, battling myself, trying not to cry. Somehow I mustered up the courage and said, Hi, my name is Shelby, and I am your best friend.